trades. Oh, buddy. On today's episode, I'm going to cover everything I know about trading. Buckle up. This is going to be epic. This is the Big Game Theory Podcast, one of the many podcasts that are part of the IDP show feed. I'm your host, Evan Ronda. You can find me on Twitter at BGTEvan and on Instagram at Big Game Theory. Without further ado, let's really just jump into today's episode. So, trading. Huge hot topic. This is the season for trades. Everyone is asking me for trade advice. I will happily give it. But I need to make a definitive episode. One that I can reference for all trade questions because the community needs it for the culture. So in today's episode, I'm going to cover value fragmentation, value consolidation, trade psychology, the art of the deal, and what your process for evaluating trades should be. Hang in there with me. There is going to be a lot of good information in this episode, and I know you need to hear it. So stick around. Don't leave on me. First off, let me make an argument for why you should be trading in your fantasy leagues. All too often, I've heard from managers who tell me that they don't trade very often because they like the team they drafted and they don't think that trading would make their team better. That could not be farther from the truth. If you're a good fantasy football player, then you should expect to benefit from more than half of your trades. If you benefit from the majority of your trades, you're incentivized to trade as often as possible. So the key here is to learn what kinds of trades to make so that your team benefits from the majority of them. Communication is key in so many ways. Trade discussions lead to more trades than blind offers do. I would hope that you know that. So what's the best way to start a trade discussion? Be in regular communication with your league mates. That is always the best solution. A league that is active and communicates regularly is the kind of league where trades are most likely to occur. If you aren't in constant contact with your league mates, I would still recommend reaching out and sending them a message on whichever messaging platform they're most likely to respond. There are multiple ways in which managers can achieve a successful trade, but my preferred method is a bit unorthodox. I rarely send an initial offer. Instead, I message my prospective trade partner and mention that I'm interested in trading. I tell them my general trade idea, but leave enough up in the air so that there's room for discussion. Flexibility is always the best option. Once the trade conversation starts, then I can begin to shape my trade in a way that makes it more likely for my opponent and I to come to an agreement. Communication is not only key for getting into a conversation with your trade partner, it's also important for the health of your league. Now, I need to address a topic that I'm very passionate about. All too often, I have seen terminology like win and lose associated with fantasy football trades. I believe that mindset is unhealthy and can be damaging to fantasy football leagues. I don't want to spend an entire episode getting into why I believe so strongly about this, but I will touch on it a bit today. Instead of making your goal to win your trade and therefore make your opponent lose the trade, 
Your goal should be to create trades that benefit your team. There is a distinct difference. When you use terminology like win or lose, there is an implied loser in the transaction. One party will always come out the other end worse off than before. I just don't think that's healthy for leagues because it puts the onus on determining how much of a loss is acceptable for a trade to be worthwhile. If managers are constantly competing to force the other one to lose a trade, conversations can quickly become contentious and vitriolic. I would like to suggest a better way. The best fantasy football trades are those that benefit both teams. When trading, you should be targeting managers that have needs that you are capable of fulfilling. For example, if you're weak at running back, don't talk to a manager that's also weak at running back and ask them to trade you their running back at an affordable price. There is no way both teams will benefit from that kind of a trade. Instead, find out what your own strengths are and find teams that you can help. Then formulate a way that those teams can help your team as well. When trading in this manner, trade discussions are often much more productive and lead to more positive relations between the managers and more trade conversations in the future. Now that you know how you should be communicating your trade interests, you next need to know what kinds of trades you even need to make. That is where roster evaluation comes in. You should be able to analyze your team and assess your strengths and weaknesses. You should also be able to do this with every other team in your league. Once you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, seek out managers who have strengths and weaknesses that complement yours. Once you've done this, the trade strategy comes into play. One of the most effective trade strategies for improving one's own team is value consolidation. I made an episode about this specific topic for Instagram a few months ago, so make sure you head over to at Big Game Theory to check the full thing out. But since I know most of you have not watched the video yet, I'll explain it in a nutshell now. Value consolidation and value fragmentation are terms I have coined to describe specific types of fantasy football trades. Value consolidation is when you return fewer assets than you gave up, but those assets have more inherent worth per roster position than the assets you've given up. Value fragmentation is the opposite of that. It occurs when you gain more assets than you give up, with those assets having less inherent worth per roster position than those that you traded away. Let me give you an example. Player A is on your team. Player B and player C are on your opponent's team. Let's say player A scores 20 points a game and players B and C score 15 points per game. If you give away player A for players B and C, you're lowering the amount of inherent value per roster position on your team. You are undergoing value fragmentation. The manager receiving player A 
while trading away player B and player C is undergoing value consolidation because they are consolidating the value of players B and C into player A. Fantasy football is a game of roster management. You have a limited number of roster positions that you can use to reserve exclusive rights to a player. There are a finite number of players you are able to roster at any given moment. You want to have the highest concentration of inherent worth possible. If you consolidate value from many players into fewer players, you increase the amount of inherent worth per roster position on your team and increase your odds of success, generally speaking. You also have the additional benefit of clearing up roster spaces to add more players from free agency. This is one of the most beneficial trading strategies a manager can utilize in their own league. However, value consolidation is not always an option. So what should a manager do in the event that they're unable to consolidate value? This is where managers need to be smart. Analyzing trends, noting outlier performances, and predicting regression in the positive and negative direction can allow managers to understand when the market is high or low on the value of a player. If the market is low on a player, managers might look to buy them. Conversely, if the market is high on a player, managers might look to sell them. I understand that this does take some skill because you need to understand a player's range of outcomes in order to accurately predict what their future holds. That is why I'm more comfortable trading players that I'm familiar with. If I'm rostering a player that I'm less knowledgeable about than I feel I ought to be, I might just choose not to trade them. Once managers have determined which players they're looking to trade away and which players they're looking to trade for, there comes the negotiation process in which managers need to ultimately decide if a trade is worth accepting or not. Every manager is different, but when I personally am evaluating a trade, I'll try to break it apart into individual segments, or its separate parts, its components. If I'm making a 3 for 3 trade, for example, I'll likely pair up every player and compare them individually to their most similar counterpart on the opposite end of that trade. Then I'll analyze their net differences and determine if what I'm getting for what I'm giving is beneficial for my team as a whole. It's usually poor process to analyze a trade in a vacuum because no trade truly happens in a vacuum. You need to take into account the rest of your roster in order to determine if a trade is truly beneficial for your team. Once you have a trade that's beneficial for your team, the hard part is having a trade partner that believes the same thing for themselves. This, once again, is why it is so important to steer away from language like win or lose when we discuss fantasy football trades. If you are someone that believes every single trade is won by one manager and lost by the other, then there is a good chance that anyone trading with you believes that you're trying to make them lose the trade and that makes them less likely to want to trade with you. If you instead utilize the language I mentioned earlier in this episode, 
I would venture to guess that managers are more willing to trade with you since you have their best interests in mind as well. Put yourself in their shoes. Look at their roster and imagine that it's your own. Would you make that trade? If so, why? If not, why not? If you wouldn't make that trade, what trade would you make? If someone approached you offering the trade you're offering your opponent, would you be insulted? Would you even be interested in continuing trade discussions? What does that trade offer have to say about the person offering it? These are all valid questions that you should be asking yourself from the perspective of your trade partner. The most successful trades occur when both managers are in agreement about the value of the players and the needs of the teams. Dishonesty may work from time to time, but ultimately, it does not have fruitful consequences. Trust me, I'm speaking from experience. Once you're on the same page, the trade discussion becomes less about arguing whether or not a trade is worthwhile, and instead, about collaborating to discover which trade is worthwhile. Trading in fantasy football should be a collaborative effort, not a competitive effort. Once you have completed the trade process, rinse and repeat. As long as you have a good process for making trades and can benefit from the majority of them, you should probably trade as much as possible. I've covered all the main keys regarding trading, but there is still so much more I want to say. I can't say it all in today's episode, but I do want to take a moment to discuss trade vetoes. Yeah, I understand we're heading into week six, and league rules are not going to be changed mid-season. But this is an important enough topic that it needs to be shared anyways. Trade vetoes should be reserved for trades that are detrimental to the health of the league. You are not smart enough to know who wins or loses a trade. You don't have a time machine, and you can't predict the future. Vetoes should not be voted based upon whether or not somebody wins a trade by too much. That's just dumb. Instead, vetoes should be determined based upon if there is a belief of collusion, self-destructive activity, or any other act that is detrimental to the health of the league. I'll leave that definition open-ended enough for you to come to your own conclusion about what that means for your league, but I cannot overstate how important it is that we move away from the notion that there must be a winner and a loser in every fantasy football trade. Whew. All right. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, if you have questions about it, you can reach out and talk to me on Twitter at BGTEvan or on Instagram at Big Game Theory. Honestly, ask me more Game Theory strategy questions. I would be more than willing to answer whatever questions you have, but when it comes to individual player takes, there are people that are smarter than me. Like, listen, I appreciate that you want to know my opinion on a player, but don't just take my word for it. If you want to know strategy tips, absolutely, I'm your guy. Hit me up. And I'm more than willing to do research and get back to you about players, but ask me more questions. Seriously, I've had some people ask me some stuff before, and I love answering it, and keep going. But 
you know, strategy tips, you guys. This is a strategy podcast, after all. Um, But in the meantime, you guys, I appreciate each and every single one of you listeners. Let me know if you appreciate the show, if you liked the topic. And again, if you have questions about it, hit me up and ask. Let's chat about it. But until next time, peace out.